Reformed and Confessional exist to promote Reformed confessionalism, to proclaim the sufficiency of Scripture, and to extol the supremacy of Christ over all things. God's Work in Affliction by John Fry Affliction is unpleasant. As I write this, I'm thinking of a dear relative of mine who fell yesterday, breaking her ribs and collapsing her lung. Undoubtedly, she's a faithful woman of God. Hopefully in the coming days I will visit her, and I ponder, what comfort in the Lord will I be able to offer her? From one perspective, she could say, Lord, I've been faithful to you all these years. Why would you let this happen to me? I doubt she will think this way, but some folks may be tempted to, given such circumstances. But such a perspective does not recognize that our sovereign God uses affliction to reveal himself more fully unto us. God comforts us in affliction. Affliction brings us to the awareness and experience of our Heavenly Father's mercy and comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Anecdotally, I do not typically seek comfort when I'm comfortable. Unfortunately, when I'm comfortable, I often fail to praise God for providing such a blessing. It is affliction that often drives me to seek God when I am apathetic toward Him. And it is affliction that reminds me to be thankful when I experience God's comfort. In his commentary on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Matthew Henry writes, quote, All comforts come from God, and our sweetest comforts are in Him. He speaks peace to souls by granting the free remission of sins, and He comforts them by the enlivening influences of the Holy Spirit and by the rich mercies of His grace. He is able to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the most painful wounds, and also to give hope and joy under the heaviest sorrows. God sanctifies us in affliction. Not only do we experience abundant comfort in our affliction, but the psalmist teaches that affliction is also an occasion for sanctification, growing in obedience, and conforming into the image of Christ. Psalm Chapter 119, verse 67 says, quote, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Sometimes in our unruliness, affliction comes in the consequences of disobeying a holy God. See the life of Jacob in Genesis. In God's loving and redemptive nature, He does not leave us alone in the affliction of harsh consequences, but rather, uses such a time to teach us and transform our desires into his desires, and that's heart change. Notice the psalmist says, But now. Before suffering affliction, the psalmist disobeyed God. But now. But now the psalmist knows the value of obedience through affliction. Such a thought brings echoes of John's declaration, saying, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. See 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, the love of God to sanctify His people through affliction when they have just sinned against Him. What love! The love of our Heavenly Father who uses affliction to sanctify us and comfort us. God uses our affliction to minister to others. Paul states these truths of mercy and comfort to the church at Corinth but also shows them how affliction helps us minister to others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, he writes, quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. The ultimate picture of affliction is Jesus Christ on the cross. It is His sinlessness, despite such affliction, that uniquely qualifies Him to be our perfect sacrifice. Since He endured affliction in the form of temptation, He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 states that, quote, We ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Note, the English says, quote, and afflicted. The Latin translation of this passage in Isaiah uses the phrase et humiliatum. Humiliatum carries a sense of humiliation, something the book of Hebrews alludes to when it says that Christ despised the shame as he endured the cross. The word also carries a sense of humbleness, something the book of Philippians reveals, stating that, quote, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. These examples show us the deep affliction Christ experienced when he came to our planet in the flesh. It is through affliction that he bought the elect, fulfilled God's promises, and guaranteed our righteousness now and on the day of judgment. It is also through affliction that he helps us in our finite state to look unto him in the midst of our affliction and hold in our hearts this truth. He knows what I'm going through because he went through something worse. In short, Jesus' affliction was a form of ministry to others and was for the purpose of ministry to others. God blesses us with Christ's likeness when he uses our affliction to minister to others. Conclusion What will I share with my afflicted relative? I do not know for sure, but if the occasion arises, I will seek to comfort her through the truth that God will use her pain to sanctify her, and that he may even use it to comfort somebody else. Whether it be Jesus on the cross, Paul in prison, Polycarp at the stake, John Knox on the ship, or my family member in the hospital, God is present and purposeful in the affliction of his people. May we remember these truths when it is our turn to receive comfort in our affliction. Sola gratia. Thank you for listening to the Reformed Confessional Podcast. We pray that you will be edified and emboldened to profess Christ and be unashamed of His gospel. Please visit us at reformconfess.com.